Welcome to Empower to Grow, the podcast. I am your host, Hanan Elbasha, the business doctor. Following our conversations with empowered women who woke up one day and consciously claimed, I am more than enough, I am worthy, I am empowered to grow. And along their empowering journey towards realizing their own potential and their quest for growth, they became a beacon of hope and guidance for others. May you also find your inner power to grow. So, hello everyone. Uh, Beautiful evening, day, morning, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us. Um, Today is World Mental Health Day. So, happy World Mental Health Day. And um, when, when this... I got a part of a newsletter saying that this is World Mental Health Day. I thought this was an amazing opportunity to get together with with other empowered women and talk about something that a lot of us are talking about all the time, mental wellness in the workplace and how it impacts our lives, but not just talk about it as in talk about it and that is it, but actually talk and say and do something about it in a way that might disrupt some people might disrupt some industries, but in a way that I know would serve us all. So I'm going to go ahead and start the presentation. And then accordingly, um, I'll introduce you to the beautiful ladies over here. So let me just share the screen over here. There we go. So as I was saying, World Mental Health Day, it's as for the World Health Organization. And I know we've been hearing of the World Health Organization a lot over the past few months. But this time, they, um, well, they've been doing it for a number of years. They've got World Mental Health Day, and it's observed on the 10th of October of every year. And it's the objective of raising the awareness of mental health issues around the world and mobilizing efforts to obviously support mental health. Now, this is a day that provides an opportunity for all stakeholders. And when we say stakeholders, we know who we're talking about. We're talking whether you're an employee, you're a business leader, you're a business owner, you're chief somewhere, or you're on the other side supporting everyone within the workplace. Then this is the day that those stakeholders work together to bring solutions and to talk about their work and to say and see how we can support each other. So our objective us, the ladies, is to raise awareness of how to advocate and cater for mental wellness within the workplace and mental health. But more importantly now, whether it is what used to be and how the re-emerging working from home context is, the WFH, and I know a lot of people could (laughs) be thinking about a lot more uh, words that go with the acronyms, but the point is why re-emerging, and as my friend Nermeen had said earlier, that working from home has been around for some time, but it obviously it gained a lot of popularity, whether by force or not, um, over the past few months, but what that means, and transitioning into what could be a new normal, a new normal for everyone within their work ha- uh, place or within the working from home context. So what we'll cover today is, well, I have to introduce you to your hosts and you get to know um, the experts in the field and how and why they're talking about this topic. Then we're going to be talking about from each of our perspectives briefly what mental wellness is all about. And then we're all going to introduce three strategies to implement today. And then we're going to open up. Um, lastly, we're going to open up the floor for any questions you might have. So stick around with us. Trust me, disruptive conversation you don't want to miss. 
So your host, the beautiful lady is with me. And yes, I'm all about women empowerment. If this is the first time you heard me, <laughs> this is what women empowerment means to me. It is about bringing other empowered women on the platform and we all get to share our expertise and our experience. The lovely uh, Susanna Harkonnen, the lovely Nermeen Fauzi, Jocelyn Elias, the lovely and myself. I'm going to ask the ladies just to briefly introduce themselves and a bit of their story um, so you know where they, who they are and where they come from. Susanna, would you like to go first, please? Yes, thank you, Hanan. <clears throat> Hi, everybody out there. Um, <clears throat> I came into this mental wellness world uh, from um, when I was in my 20s. I had a mini burnout in my first job. And that mini burnout, and when I say mini burnout, I mean burnout, you can you have a, a whole range. And when you're young, you know, burnouts may not take such a toll on you as they do later in life, but it was nevertheless a burnout. And that burnout didn't happen because of work demands per se. I had a very demanding job and I traveled a lot and I had a lot of pressure, but those demands were not really causing the burnout. Um, it was rather the work environment, um, a relatively unhealthy boss and um, environment that was in opposition to my core values. But that experience was a wonderful thing because it, it, it triggered me to, to really look into myself and, and dive deep into psychology and all sorts of things that will make me feel better. And um, as I did that, I... I went through a whole range of things uh, from healing to men, uh, yoga, to eating healthy, to psychology, to, you know, I've tried it pretty much all. And I was wondering to myself, why are we not healing? Like, why is this not working for me? I, I'm following all these things properly and, and thoroughly and, and sticking to a program. Why is this not working for me as it should? And the interesting piece was that when I, after having already a counseling degree and, and tons of counseling work under my belt, um, I found trauma work and neuroscience. And that's when it really hit me, like bingo. It really makes a huge difference in people's lives. It has made a huge difference in my life. It makes a huge difference in my client's life. I see it regularly. And... This is something that I want to share with the world. And that's why I'm here. Because I believe that that piece of, of um, neuroscience and working on yourself and being mindful, and that, that all together is part of mental wellness. And mental wellness is a choice. It's like health. We can choose to be healthy. We can choose to exercise. We can also choose to take care of our mental wellness. And... That is what I want to share with the world. I do believe that now it's the time to really step up to this and go to another level. Great. Thank you, Susanna. Nermeen, would you share a bit of your story, please? Sure. So um, good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited to be um, with these lovely ladies talking about this topic. Um, that's very relevant, I guess, to um, people recognizing that it's for mental health day. Um, so my, my background is hardcore corporate HR. So n not always very popular with a lot of people. Um, but uh, for, uh, for about 20 years, I've been in corporate HR, um, mainly in multinationals and global organizations. Um, I also worked with a lot of entrepreneurs um, through a fantastic organization called um, Endeavor for the last eight or nine years. Um, 
I, about a year and a bit ago, um, I, I decided that um, I'm going to leave corporate and I wanted to do something different. Um, so I, I do have a business partner um, and we have a, a organization or a company called Foster Edge. Um, and what we do, what we focus on really is organizational transformation. Um, so looking at all the things related to people, um, technology, kind of processes internally, um, and, and making sure that, uh, you know, businesses are, are um, going where they want to be going and delivering um, the business outcomes they want to be delivering. Um, it, it, a, a couple of years ago, um, so I'm a, I'm a certified uh, professional coactive coach. And, and my coaching kind of journey is what kind of, I think, brought me here. Um, when I first started doing this, it, it, I, I had to because of um, uh, the organization I worked with basically told me I had to go do this certification. That was the biggest. So it wasn't very voluntary. Um, I, I, you know, I had to go. Um, so I did. And I went in there um, with a high level of arrogance. Um, I thought, you know, I, I've done so many of these things working in HR for so long, you know, I, I know everything, it'll be the same kind of, you know, experience that I've, you know, I've seen a hundred times. Um, and I couldn't be furthest from the truth. For, for me, that, um, that journey over about two years, it was, it was definitely life-changing um, and, and very humbling. Um, so, you know, I, We've, we've been taught, I think, as, as very young children to have these masks and use them um, when we need to, whether, you know, in our personal lives or professional lives. And, and what, I, what I really learned, what I really valued from the, this coaching experience and becoming a, a certified coach is that you can be, you know, all of yourself every day. Um, and, and, and almost, you know, I, I always assumed I, I knew my values and, and I discovered through this journey that I didn't, I, I thought I did. I had these very rational ideas of what they, what they are and what they should be. And, and it was very, very far. And I think through that journey, I've discovered kind of, you know, what I really value and, and starting to do what I really valued and what I really um, felt was important really changed my outlook and and you know very relevant today's topic you know the stress level the the feeling that i wasn't happy and not fulfilled and not satisfied um once i discovered this that completely changed um so that's kind of you know why i'm here today um and i look forward to spending the next hour or so with you all thank you thank you jocelyn hello everyone good evening uh, I think my story is uh, similar to the lady's story. I come also from a corporate background, um, having worked there for over 15 years and leading uh, positions uh, from marketing to communications. And throughout my job, I have also championed um, so many wellness activities uh, in organizations. Uh, which uh, really drove me into digging deeper into this uh, topic. What is wellness about? Um, since um, most of the activities we were doing were not really giving me and also the majority of the employees the uh, sense of wellness that we are looking at. And uh, this is where I started to dig deeper and uh, I went into the world of 
neuroscience and wellness psychology. Hence, Mindset Rewire was uh, born uh, so that I can also help organizations to transform their businesses from the inside out. And this is what I do today. And thank I'm happy you. also to be here. And thank you, Hannah, again, for uh, having me here. Thank you, ladies, all of you, for being here, for accepting the invitation and for taking up the challenge to do some uh, disruption around here. Uh, for those who don't know me, um, my name is Hanan Al-Basha. I am the business doctor. And yes, as cheesy as that sounds, that was part of my journey as well, getting to this point. Um, I walked out of corporate after about 12 years or just over 12 years when I had our son deciding that I would get too stressed out and I actually got uh, a few illnesses and ailments and diseases because of the stress that I decided I want to walk out and I want to take care of our son because I did not want to bring that kind of stress back home. Um, little did I know that about four months later, I went back into uh, private business uh, with two of my friends and partners. And we decided one day we sat and said, so now what should we do something together, which I think is a starting point for a lot of um, businesses. Um, that took on a journey of about five and a half years and about four businesses later helping co-found and one of them I ran completely uh, literally by myself as a managing director but also as with startups as the driver and the <laughs> and uh, the supply chain and the marketing and the salesperson everything in there yet again I got burnt out and I got burnt out really bad this time it was a burnout that um, should have landed me in hospital well, at least two to three times during that journey. And every time I couldn't afford the luxury of stepping out of my life to take care of me until one day I decided I have to, it wasn't an option. I was running myself to the ground. Um, during that time, I started also on my doctorate degree just because I never have enough on my plate and it's always a challenge. Why not? Well, why not was not very smart, but anyhow, I stepped out to complete my doctorate degree um, Thought it would take six months, took a year and a half, a lot of stress, a lot of ailments yet again, bringing me back to the same point again, where after I completed my degree and earned my title, I realized I need to do something about this. And that's what led me to my health coaching certificate and what led me to my journey of realizing that I want to support women. I want to support women in business. I want to support women in balancing out their lives. And now I've even evolved to say how to create synergy in their lives um, in the sense that we can do it, decide on what you want to do, decide on the objectives, what are you trying to achieve and accordingly go out and find it for yourself. This brings me to this beautiful platform of where I thought I started a Facebook group for ladies called Empower to Grow. And from that, I started a podcast called Empower to Grow. And my life became about empowerment, but not empowerment as in we hate men. No, that's not <laughs> what we do over here, but it's more about I have a voice, I have expertise, I have uh, a say in how I want my life to be um, shaping out. And I know that I have the power within me to go out and achievement. And that's what Women Empowerment over here is about. And uh, let led me to, uh, you know, working with, with women, especially, um, mostly. I say primarily with women, of course, I do work with men as well and with business owners and stuff. But um, the reason why I wanted us to have this disruptive conversation is possibly 99% of the people, and I think we all had this uh, statistic in common when we spoke about it, there are people who say, I hate my job, 
or the people who dread the Sunday or the Monday, depending where they are in the world, waking up and going to a job. They're the people that can't deal or can't handle another day with that toxic boss or those um, interfering uh, uh, workmates or whatever it is. And we started thinking, okay, what can we what can we do about it as individuals, as coaches, as professionals? But more importantly, how can we uh, raise the awareness of how people can change their lives for themselves? And thus, this is where we're going to start. So Susanna has prepared for us a few slides. We're going to each go through our slides from our expert um, objective, and then we're going to continue the conversation. Susanna? Thanks, Anna. So here are some statistics for those of you that are very rationally oriented, that you like rational learning. Um, I'm a sucker for all, all numbers, so that's my background in logistics and supply chain in the past. Um, but at the moment, mental health is, is a huge topic in the world, and it's actually the leading cause of workplace issue, issues and absences in, in the entire world. It's quite surprising that we don't talk more about it, probably because it's such a sensitive topic and it has so many um, interpretations around the world. But at the moment, just the, the, just the cost of workplace issues and absences is, is roughly one trillion US dollars per year. I left all the, all, all the zeros in, on the slide on purpose because it just puts it into perspective. Trillion is such a huge number. Um, and the stigma continues to be strong. There are, of course, certain regions in the world like the Middle East where, um, or Asia, for that matter, where, where mental health is, is equal in people's minds often to mental illness. Uh, and therefore, it's, it's a taboo to talk about it. But it's not, you know, we're not, I'm, I'm, I'm based in Europe, we're not part of that either here. It's not, it's not a popular topic and people don't, don't. Uh, openly disclose that they see a, a therapist or, or they have mental health issues. Um, so therefore, you know, and I'm, I'm sure may, those people who are watching this, you may have had this experience where you have an issue and you don't want to tell your employee that you have a, you have, you, you're depressed or you're anxious or you have some, some other, other issues that are going on in, you know, mental, mental health issues that are going on in your lives. I remember, I remember working for a um, large organization that happened to have a staff counselor board. And, um, and I, I was going through some really rough patch. Um, and I said to myself, like, look, I'm a psychological counselor. I mean, I should, I should maybe go and see a colleague and, and talk to this person. But even myself as a psychological counselor used to therapy and disclosure. And, and I, I don't have a problem with working on myself. Um, it was really hard and and the trust was really absent so there were all these things going through my head like okay like if i go and disclose anything will this go to my boss will this go to my hr file will this have any other consequences and this is typically what what happens to most of us we don't want to share these things with our employees and workplaces also don't have an environment where it's okay to talk about those things and before the, before the pandemic, um, 20 to 25% of employees were affected. These are people who have, who have a diagnosable mental, mental um, health issue. Most of it, it's anxiety and depression. 
But now the reason demand had really skyrocketed this number. And there are different kinds of uh, surveys. Uh, statistics are not there yet, but surveys show that um, you know anything ranging from 40 to 60% to 80% of people have been affected one way or another during the pandemic. And this keeps changing now because at the beginning, you know, some people were highly affected. There was a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear running. Now then the baby, the loneliness piece came in, um, you know, the, the, the difficulties of managing work, work and life at the same time, working from home and all those issues. So it, it really has been um, a, a curve and we are starting to see really the, the real impact of what's going on at the moment in mental health world. So mental health covers a wide spectrum and, and we all know this. You know, we've had probably experiences of these sorts of things. We've been in a workplace where we were maybe excelling and it was great. You know, that feeling of being excelling in your job is just fantastic. We'd like to be there all the time. We can't always be there, but it's the place which we all aspire to. And we could also be thriving and just having a, you know, thriving, having a really, really enjoyable work. And, and we, we really, you know, it gives us something back. But then the next step towards the, the red zone is really the surviving piece. And the surviving, and that's where the, the yellow zone is where the, the problems start when we are not feeling good anymore. You know, the surviving and struggling. This is, and in crisis, and in crisis, this is, these are the people that fall into that 20 to 25% or, or more at the moment. People who have, whose mental health actually impacts them quite significantly. And I would say from my own experience that the large majority, um, as, as actually Hanan was, you were referring to that, the large majority is either surviving, struggling or in crisis at the moment. It's really rare to come across somebody who's thriving or excelling at their work. I can remember meeting two persons this year, actually. <laughs> and when we talk about mental health, it really is a basic human right. It's been written in all kinds of conventions, and it's one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So there are lots of companies that are working on the Sustainable Development Goals, and this is a good opportunity to actually include it in their company policies and in their SDGs. And again, mental health issues, they have been increasing significantly. So this might already be the case. Um, so we are like sort of like 10 years ahead of the ahead of the, the predictions. But mental health issues will be by default the number one cause of illness by 2030 and cause more than cancer, diabetes and respiratory diseases combined. That's huge. It's a year. So when we look at the at the mental health piece, the the real question there is not what's wrong with you. A pain within your you is not a pathology. We like to pathologize things and put labels on, on people. I don't particularly like labels in the, in the mental health world. You know, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're bipolar, you're this, you're that. It takes away our ability to really manage our lives and ourselves. But the question really is not what's wrong with you, it's what happened to you. 
Because whatever is going, whatever is happening, whatever we are experiencing, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's it's any kind of um, mental health issue, it actually has its roots in something that has happened to you. And it's something that's in your nervous system. It's something that's in your body. It's not something that's in your head. The reason why we don't quite know why this is that is in, in our body and we keep running in these circles like hamsters in our heads because we don't have access to roughly 90% of ourselves with our conscious awareness or, or our thinking mind. And most of us like to think that we are very aware and, and, and conscious and we do maybe meditation and we do self-awareness practices and we think that we're self-aware, but quite frankly, it's, it's the percentages are still relatively, relatively low. So therefore, it's really, really important to learn to, to listen to yourself, to your body and, and be in tune with what's really going on with yourself. Because thinking or analyzing your issues is not going to heal them. They're not going to go away. You sometimes in the, in the therapy world, you see people who have been in therapy for, for 20 and 30 years. And they're perfectly capable of analyzing all their issues and, you know, their mother and father issues and everything under the sun. But they still keep doing the same things. They still keep feeling miserable um, and nothing has shifted. So thinking or analyzing or even understanding your issues mentally is not the same thing as healing them. And that's where the body piece comes in. That's where that's uh, where the what is wrong, what, what happened to you piece comes in and listening to your body and going from that way. Thank you, Susanna. So all, oh, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> Do you have a question? No, no, no. I have, you have a point. Sorry, I, I hadn't realized. You've got one more point to cover. <laughs> so it's about empowering ourselves then. Yes. So the empowering piece, I mean, everybody wants to empower themselves. I mean, this world is now full of empowerment coaches and empowerment programs. Um, and, and that's really, really, really good because empowerment is what makes us take our responsibility back. That's what I was referring to in the introduction when I mentioned about mental wellness. That's a choice. That's an empowered choice. And that's an empowered choice in spite of your situational circumstances. And that's really, really important to understand because you cannot change a toxic workplace by and large. You, may, you can try to do something and sometimes it, it you can actually shift things, but sometimes you cannot. So that's the, the point is not to, um, not to feel discouraged or disempowered in any way, but to really, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's all about feeling that your life is in your hands. You have the choice, no matter what. So how do we do that? Let's, um, sorry, Susanna, let's, let's get to the how do we do it when we hear from Nermeen, because then we, can, then we can have a discussion, all of us, of how do we do it from each of our perspectives. Thank you. Nermeen, coming from the HR background and now empowering all the organization itself, as in the individuals of the organization, because organizations are not virtual people. But can you take us from your perspective, please? Absolutely. So, yeah, so 
wellness is is holistic and 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 mental health is part of of that wellness uh, experience along with emotional and physical and, and and other areas of our lives um and you know if if we kind of look at kind of in the last i'd say maybe five years or so a lot of corporations and organizations um have have focused on wellness in general and and mental health being a, a part of that for different reasons, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't want to start bashing corporates because it's very easy, I think, to do so. And a lot of people will, will tend to do that. But I think it, it, we definitely see um, steps by a lot of corporations. Again, the, the, um, the intention or the reason or the trigger for it may be different. Some of the good reasons, some of it not so good reasons, just because it's a buzzword or, you know, it sounds very sexy or whatever else. But also some people genuinely are interested because they realize that the, the impact of mental health and, and, and wellness in general, other parts of our lives is just so intense and, and so strong. And um, it really, really impacts you know what we do and, and and things like productivity for for um, for organizations. So this is a, a stat by Rand organization. So there there are a lot of programs out there. How um, effective they are that may be different from one person to another, but definitely um, there are many of them. Yeah, and I think what we've seen with everything that's happened with COVID nineteen that there's a, a significantly um, increased focus on you know, wellness in general and, and especially mental health, just because you know, people were in lockdown, um, kids at home, um, people getting sick, people panicking around you know, what's happening with hospitals. I think we really, really saw it. And I think maybe one of the few kind of positives from, from COVID-19 is I think people are a lot more comfortable and a lot more open to discuss um, mental health in general. Um, so looking at kind of what are organizations doing in, in the wellness space. So I think um, all the way from, uh, I don't say nothing, but no, let me, from negative, yeah, there's a negative starting point. And, and negative is basically organizations where not only are they doing nothing, but it's almost um, a taboo to even discuss in the workplace all the way up to um, organizations really, really focusing, um, having even dedicated teams and budgets to, um, to wellness programs and, and mental health being a big part of that. Um, we're seeing um, uh, um, a lot of discussions around, so who owns wellness in organizations? Um, and, and I think that's a big um, question mark that really drives the importance and, and where um, wellness is on the organization agenda. Sometimes um, it can be just left to um, a very junior admin person to run um, all the way to um, being on the agenda of a CEO and everything in, in between. Um, what we're seeing more and more is um, when there isn't a, a very clear kind of identification of who owns wellness in the organization, usually HR takes up that role. Um, either they, they do it internally or they're responsible for getting um, external help, whether consultants or coaches or other people who, who work or have those expertise in the field. Um, so we see a lot of that and, 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 that's, um, and that's great. Um, there are a lot of, we talk about when we look at corporates, we always look at formal 
programs, but I think there are also a lot of informal programs. Um, some of the formal programs are even incentivized. You know, if, if people, you know, take up, I've seen organizations where they offer mental health days. So, you know, they add to your kind of your vacation balance and, and you, it's almost encouraged, please do take them, yeah? Um, so the, people are incentivized to, to take advantage of it. Um, having said that, it's, it's, it's still very tough. There are still a lot of taboos around it. Um, there's there's uh, um, cultural stigmas around, depending on where you are in the world, like what Suzanne was talking about earlier. There are generational, I think, with older generations are probably more uncomfortable than they are comfortable for the most part. I, I don't want to generalize too much, but that's kind of what we're, um, what we're seeing more of. Um, and, and these kinds of organizations to, to also be kind of fair to corporates, they're not easy, they're not cheap. There's no one size fits all, right? So they need to do a whole lot in, in many, many different areas to be able to have any kind of impact um, on, on one end. And on the other end, there are a lot of things happening um, from employees side, whether for, formally and informally within teams or work groups or you know whatever it is um, to really because they feel that they need to help themselves and I think that's also sending a clear message to corporations that they need to be supporting these more and, and, and so forth um, you know toxic work environments um, I think that's a very unique thing what's toxic for someone can be for someone else they they have very very different experience a very positive experience a lot of it has to do with who I work with who my manager is the team I work with the Kind of work that I do uh, and, and whether I enjoy it or not. So I think, you know, lots and lots of things for organizations in general to do, but all members of that organization, be it um, leadership, be it HR or employees. Thank you, Nermeen, for a very insightful uh, intervention over there. I have so many questions, but I'm going to keep my questions as well. So we're going to have our, Q our Q&A apparently as part of our discussion at the end. Um, Jocelyn, would you like to take it there, please, from your perspective? Can you hear me? Okay. So, uh, yes, of course, I, uh, I agree with uh, Nermeen and uh, also with Susanna. Uh, indeed, there is a huge uh, stigma around uh, tackling mental health or mental wellness uh, around uh, the organizations, despite its uh, direct connection uh, with the business results and how it is uh, negatively impacting uh, the, uh, the business itself or even the global economy, as we have seen from tons of research and um, <clears throat> statistics done by the World Health Organization. Now, um, to, to Susanna's point as well, uh, when when organizations talk about uh, about wellness, I I think that there is a lack of awareness uh, that um, that's really pervading over there. Uh, mental uh, wellness goes beyond what uh, we are seeing today from activities, uh, be it around uh, physical health, be it around. Uh, yoga, meditation, those mindfulness tools are extremely helpful, but um, I think we, we need to be very careful over there and with the activities that are being carried 
to uh, to tackle a root cause or a root issue that is impactly uh, impacting the uh, businesses and the employees directly, be it from stress, be it from um, an anxiety or uh, the pressure and the burnout that employees are suffering from. I mean, like, absolutely, people do have access to all of those uh, mindfulness. Uh, people know today that they need to work out to, to be healthy. So why do we keep on um, repeating or reinventing the wheel with what people already know? What I have been noticing as well uh, in my career and uh, talking with organizations, with even individuals, there is a very subtle, alarming, I would say, um, thing where it's going under the radar. I don't want to say research because there is research that is really highlighting that issue. Is nowadays you look at uh, employees and organizations, and most people they do carry uh, stress as a badge of honor, or I would say a symbol of uh, uh, success, because it's it's not normal in in our culture today not to be stressed or not to be uh, overly anxious and busy day and night. And, and I think this is this is um, this is this has become kind of like a cultural societal um, disorder that is socially accepted. So the, this is this is one of the points that also we want to highlight in the wellness uh, world. So when we talk about anxiety and stress, yes, we need to go deeper than what is obvious and what is known. Um, second of all, since I've also championed a lot of wellness events uh, across uh, my uh, my career in the corporate world, I I think it's it's about time to also test the efficacy and the efficiency of the tools and the modalities that are being used. We've 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 been focusing on wellness as in like eating healthy or um, running or exercising or whatever the modalities, even some entertainment events, because that's a separate issue on its, uh, on its own. Now, when, when we are talking about wellness, we need to go beyond that and probably tackle for uh, tackle what goes from the neck and above and stop really focusing uh, on what goes below the neck, because the figures are really staggering. Um, stress is the number one cause of today. You will see it of the many illnesses and diseases that are uh, uh, being seen in the uh, healthcare premises. And plus, the, this pressure is is the uh, number one cause for people not to be satisfied also at their work. So when, when we're tackling wellness, we don't want to go on the surface, but we really want to go deeper on, on that issue. Um, otherwise, it's, it's honestly like uh, using uh, band-aids for a neck bleeding problem. So it's time to stop and question why is 
stress or mental health is continuing to be on the rise. Where did we miss? What did we do? And um, from, from also my experience and my discussions, another point that I want to bring about, besides the stigma around tackling mental health at work, uh, even though people have open door policies, etc., yet people do not feel comfortable talking about uh, um, what they, the pressure or the stress or the burnout that they are uh, going through, regardless of the reasons, whether they want to continue or ensure their employability, they don't want to face uh, a raised eyebrow. Uh, but the fact is, as human beings, <laughs> None of us really have two brains, one for work and one for uh, personal life. So when we are coming to work, we are bringing all of our being into work, whether we're comfortable, we're stressed or not, we, we cannot separate. And having, tackling this issue at the workplace as not a stigma, as it's normal, because we need to normalize the point of like, it's okay to not be okay. And this goes from probably the CEO uh, into the uh, executive and the rest of the employees. None of us can deal with, uh, with the amount of pressure or stress without having to tackle these issues all on a personal or deeper uh, level. So uh, that my, my point is that when, when we talk about mental wellness or wellness in general, I want to put it that way, we really need to start to focus on what goes above the net. And the rest will follow. Thank you, Jocelyn. So, okay. So I'm going to bring it home then <laughs> with just a... The overview from my perspective, and um, and from that perspective, I mean, all the ladies have been, we've been talking about. You can't talk about mental wellness without talking about everything else in your life, and um, there is this concept called primary food that uh, I got to learn and um, talk about when I was going through my health coaching certificate. And the, the concept is as simple as that: you what we feed our bodies and what we feed our psyche and our brains and our minds and everything is not what the, uh, it's not just the food on our plate, but rather everything on the plate and everything around it. And that around it includes our relationships, our career, our spirituality, our um, joy activities, even. And a lot of people <laughs> like Jocelyn was saying, and actually all the ladies were saying that we're, we're disconnected from doing things in our life for, because it just, it's so abnormal to be talking about actually having joy in life, because if you're not stressed, you're not achieving, but it is the cons constituents of all of these things that make up your well-being and your well-being and your wellness and your mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical are all connected, whether we like to admit it or not. So when we're talking about stress, and I think stress is now kind of the, the, the word we refer to or the term we refer to when we talk about everything happening in our life, oh, I'm stressed. And usually stress is on so many levels. But that stress actually is the impact of it on our bodies is humongous. We are still just about scratching the surface of, of the, the physical 
impact of stress on our bodies, of what it means to have your sympathetic nervous system, which nervous system that, that kind of fires off your stress hormones to so your cortisol and adrenaline and all of that, of, of having it fired and on all the time. This leads into chronic stress. And that chronic stress means that everything around your body, your internal systems that have been created to protect you are just crippled. Your immune system is crippled in that sense. Your digestive system gets a second uh, backseat and even your reproductive system gets put on hold when you're just stressed because your body is trying to deal with that. It's, it's processing through all the signals that you're being chased by a lion. Whilst in essence, we're not being chased by lions. We're just being breathed down our necks by a boss who wants us to satisfy an untimely deadline in just a day that would take 10 days. And these are the kind of things that trigger our body. And these are the kind of things that impact our wellness. And these are the kind of things that cause the psychosomatic symptoms, which physically, which actually means that your body is physically manifesting that stress into symptoms, diseases, ailments, and everything around it. So that being said, and that being, I think we've got the numbers from Susanna, we've got the perspective of what is happening and the, the holistic view of this from Nermeen. Jocelyn has been talking to us about, well, literally, well, all the ladies have been talking, but we've been talking about, you know, the, the neuroscience related to that and the impact to it. Now we get to think of mindset. And I know mindset for a lot of people is, woo, yeah, right, I can think different. Yes, you can. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to blow the bubble right now. <laughs> I'm going to say mindset does make a difference. And that as simple as something that I know might not be very realistic for a lot of people, but even a simple mindset switch, it's called our transformational vocabulary. It's the way we talk. Tony Robbins coined that term. And it's the way we talk to ourselves. It's the way we listen to ourselves. It's the terminology we use. And by changing the I have to go to work. And whether that have to means now or going means now a physical um, movement, or that means working from home and means trying to have that synergy or that balance or that stress within the household now that you were trying to kind of disconnect before to, I get to go to work. And I get to as in a privilege, as in something that I'm grateful for. And I know that you might not feel that way when you're going to a stress-inducing atmosphere, but provided that there are others around the world that have no job, that have no income, provided that you are doing something that you actually do love to do, as in that is your purpose in life. Being an engineer, for example, you might just not be doing it in the right organization. Now, that is something at least to be grateful for, that you're still doing something that you're passionate about. So it is changing, it's, it's having those small conversations by ourselves, with ourselves, through our minds, and, and shifting that mindset when it comes to that. Um, I talk to a lot of people who want to transition out of corporate life and into um, uh, entrepreneurship or their own business. And they're like, but I don't know how to do it, or I, I don't know when to start, or I don't know when to stop. And I'm like, and I hate going to my job, but I need it. I need the money. And yes, the conversation, I know we need a lot of things. But for everything we want to embark on in life, there are compromises. And the compromise is to stop and analyze, what do I want now? What am I going to make? What am I going to do to make it happen? And how can I utilize the best of my resources right now? And as I say, resources are not just about money. Your resources are your time, your energy, your knowledge, specifically when it comes to experiential knowledge, 
and your money. So how can I best capitalize on my resources right now to be able to transition into the next phase or the next plan or whatever my next project could be? So this is kind of... um, try to make this as summarized as possible when it comes to addressing your mental wellness. Um, Ladies, do you want to let me uh, unmute you? And okay. Am I, am I muting you guys or unmuting you? Okay. (laughs) I I am. (laughs) Okay. Do you want to, um, do you want to go into the mental wellness advocacy strategies or do you want us to kind of disconnect for a bit, have a bit of a discussion about everything we said for about five to 10 minutes and then come back and say, talk about the strategies moving forward. Okay. Yes. Okay. Let's, go, let's have a, have a chat. Yes. I think chats are good. Chats are productive. Chats are productive. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's put it this way. I mean, Susanna, you wanted to go with now what? And I said, hold that thought, let's come back to it. And I think that's the kind of discussion I want us to kind of have. Now what? We keep talking about issues and we keep talking about put, raising up the red flags and stuff. Now what? Do you want me to go? <laughs> go. Let's, let's do this. Anyone, anybody else? Off on the now what? <laughs> well, I think that this, is, this goes back to you know, we know that psychological safety is humongously important for human beings. You have all referred to that one way or another. If we don't, if we don't feel psychologically safe, we get, cannot be innovative. We cannot give our best. We don't even think straight. And this is, you know, the psychological safety. And, and you know, you go to Google or you go to these this big names. They, they build psychological safety into the organization whether that's successful or whether not, you know, we, that's, that's of course debatable because psychological safety, like Nermin was saying, we are all individuals. And for one person, the organization may be safe and for another, it's not. Anyway, so when it comes to psychological safety, I believe that there are two things that we can do. There's one thing that we can do as individuals. We can be advocates for our life, lives. That's where that decision on mental wellness comes from. I am going to do my very best to build the psychological safety into my world, whether I have it or not. Whether it's actually, I don't have to wait for somebody to give it to me, you know, whether it's above me or next to me or wherever, it doesn't have to come from somebody else. I can build it from, from within. That's the only place where we can go, really. So, Nermeen, what do you what do you think now talking about the psychological safety and that we're all individuals? So, you know, I, I think the, the the journey really starts at a very individual level. So I, I agree with um, both Jocelyn and, and Susanna. That, that's the starting point. Um, you know, what I like will be different than what someone else likes. What I'm comfortable with is different than what someone else is comfortable with. And I think that's the biggest challenge that, you know, when we talk about issues like this in general, we tend to have this kind of fishnet approach where one size fits all and and nothing could be further from the truth. And I think it's it's our role and, and, you know, almost our kind of responsibility um, to make sure that we ourselves understand what we want and what we like and identify because no one's going to do that for us. Yeah. Um, And I think sometimes, you know, um, 
you know, just to be fair to companies, I think a, a lot of people think that's the company's job. And, and I, I can't hold a company accountable for understanding what I as an individual am comfortable with, what I like, what I don't like, what works for me, what stresses me out. It'll be different. And, and for me, that's up to each of us to do. And then other people can take other roles, whether people in our lives, whether organizations, um, different leaders in the spectrum. So th the starting point is is with all of us as individuals. Right, Jocelyn, what now? <laughs> what now? I, I certainly agree with uh, both of you ladies. Uh, people have to take responsibility for their own uh, mental wellness uh, or psychological health. Uh, yet, I think we, we need to face uh, also some, uh, some critical questions or answers. What I have been seeing is that people don't know. There is a silent epidemic that probably not everyone is talking about it, which is the information. People are confused. Uh, Susanna, I think you've mentioned very early in the presentation that Yes, I have done what I have been told to do. Uh, I am following what the hype or what the trends or what is like the world is telling me to do. Yes, I'm not feeling well. And I think this is where people are today confused, uh, whether they have access to all of this knowledge or not, because we all carry those mini computers and our laptops. But people really are not able to... Um, to tackle their own mental wellness with the capabilities or the modalities that they have on, on their own. And I would say since also the workplace is the main source of stress, it's okay for both individuals and organizations to collaborate and, and work together because probably not every person is capable of getting some uh, professional help or really some professional consultation and going into therapy or whatever modalities that is needed for that person. But we see really... Hmm. A lack of... Uh, uh, so we, we really need to take this issue uh, seriously. I, I agree with all of you. And I think that's, that's the point is it's the transitioning. And I think yet again, it's the overwhelmed part of there's so much information and there's so much guidance on you should be doing this. And um, yeah. I think Tony Robbins, uh, Susanna has this, that it, people should all over themselves, but <laughs> in essence that it's not about should, 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 it's about what works for me as an individual, what works for us as an organization with the size of the organization, with the locality. And, you know, we were talking earlier today and I was talking about the localization of the solutions. It is, I can't take meditation and force everyone in the organization to do meditation. I can't take yoga and say, we're going to go do group yoga sessions. And this is how mindful we are. And this is our wellness practice. Um, it is about creating and finding solutions that work for you and work for your sector and work for your culture and work for on so many levels. And that's where tailoring again comes in, but it starts with awareness and then it moves on to information and then it goes through processing and then it goes for advocacy and then it goes for 
let's try it. And you never know if something works or not. But also more importantly, then you can start having the limited options of we've got two to three options of something that we as an organization are chaperoning, are offering, and we want you to try them and let us give us the feedback. And it's, and it's a continuous loop because it's, it's a relationship. We can't have relationships one way. I mean, in personal relationships, that's where things fail. When it's just one-way communication, there has to be that back and forth. And that is literally um, what all of you ladies have been saying. Susanna, would you like to add something before we go on to the strategy? Yeah. Now? <laughs> I think that one, one thing that organizations could do concretely, there are clear benefits to doing mental wellness programs. There are like UK is a good example, Australia and Canada, the three countries that are doing a lot of good stuff in the mental health field. Um, it really you know, yields returns. So $1 spent in, um, in mental health gets you $4 back in return. That's a pretty good, good you know, return on investment. Yes. In some cases, they say it's five. So it's, you know, it's, it's a massive return on, on investment. What I, what, so I do believe that organizations could take more action. And I think that there are two key things. It's, it's really the building the psychological safety into your organizations deliberately. It is a conscious effort and it has to be done deliberately so that it, it, it permeates really the organization because that's the way, you know, it really starts making a, a shift. And the second thing, um, I should have written it down. <laughs> I had this brilliant <laughs> idea. <laughs> it's okay. It happens. Yeah. The well, second thing yeah, is, okay. goes back to Jocelyn's point because this is also important, that organizations really do something that's, not goes beyond buzzwords where, and it, it ties in with psychological safety. When people see that this is authentic, this is not just just cover up and do a nice program, then people can actually really embrace it much more. Yeah. So those th two things yeah. and it boils down to psychological safety. Okay. I'm, I'm happy you said that because now, sorry, Nermeen, I want to get back to you again on this. When, when it comes to HR and the initiatives and stuff, and I know we were talking earlier and I said, you know, we heard a lot of the buzz when, when it comes to um, let's have a, foos a foosball table. And, you know, this is how we take care of our employees when, when the photos were first leaked of, or not leaked, but first published of Google headquarters and stuff. And they've got beanbags and then I'm like, no, this is not about mental wellness if you're still going to be toxic in the environment. But as, as Susanna was just saying now, going beyond the buzzwords and beyond the hashtags that get you the, the attention, what are things that are really genuine or authentic in that sense? I think really listening um, is, yeah. is critical, yeah? Um, w you know, workforces are very diverse, whether culturally or generationally or, you know, on, 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 you know, on, uh, on any kind of diversity spectrum. Um, and I think because of the unique makeup of each organization, I think the starting point is listening. A ask um, if if you feel people may be a little bit uncomfortable with um, sharing. Do an anonymous survey. I mean, there are lots of things that people can can do um, to better understand what you know what's important, what's uh, what people are seeking, what will be very helpful. And then once you have those, and you know, I I think employees in in those organizations. It, are, are um, restless when it comes to surveys just because so many of them are done and then they don't really see kind of what happens or Next. the results. Yeah. 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 
what happens with, with the results of those. So I think it's really making sure that um, the, the feedback is shared and, and this is the plan and, and recognizing that that plan won't be able to cover the needs of 100% of the workforce, but at least there's a starting point where it covers a lot of the different things that um, people are raising and, and people find very important and there's consensus about. Okay, great. So this, this brings us on to the sharing again of the screen and uh, saying, what are three strategies we can move forward from here? Uh, there we go. Let's share. Yep. Susanna, give us please three, we call them mental wellness advocacy strategies that we can implement today. Right. So please do give us a, a quick rundown to, to bring this conversation to the fruitful end. The first thing that I would recommend is that for whether you're an individual or an organization that you find qualified help. And what I mean by qualified help is that get somebody who really knows what they are talking about. This is a very popular and very fashionable field at the moment that there are all sorts of players out there. So make sure that you know whom you're talking to and they actually know, they actually know what they're talking about. The second one is more for the individuals but also for HR and people who are dealing with mental health issues in organizations. Trauma is something that I mentioned in the introduction and we haven't really discussed it, that's for another time, but it's, it's that those things are not in your, in your mind, they are in your body. And when people understand that it's all about feeling threatened at work or th feeling threatened around, you know, with, with what's going on around you, you'll be able to understand much better what's going on inside of you and, and with other people. This takes away the stigma. It's not somebody crazy in their minds. It's actually some, somebody reacting with their nervous system and with their body because of what has happened to them. Sure. Extremely important. And then the third one is we already discussed this, you know, adapt your practices and use things that suit you. Again, this is whether it's an individual or organization, avoid hype and choose those things that suit you or your organization. That's my three cents. <laughs> Lovely. I, I love that. Actually, we didn't think of it as the three cents, but it's usually two, <laughs> but we're giving three cents this time. We're generous. Yes. Nermeen, would you get, take us through your three cents, please? <laughs> All right. So, um, so first and foremost, within organizations, um, when, when um, wellness and, and mental health are high on the agenda, something gets done about it, yeah? So finding a, a senior sponsor and, and champions within the organization is critical. It's, it's, it's really the, the genuine hardcore kind of starting point. So, um, it, and the higher up you go, the, the greater the impact. So definitely, you know, see who's interested in it, see who you think will be a great um, sponsor for mental health and, uh, and mental wellness and, and have a conversation with uh, the second, the second thing is talking to um, other leaders in the organization, whether that's your manager, um, another leader within the organization, HR, about creating um, programs that help and cater to the diverse um, employee makeup within uh, the workplace in, in your organization. Um, go with suggestions, go with ideas. It's, it's very easy to kind of dump this on, on someone's desk. Don't do that. Have a conversation. It needs to be two ways. Yeah. And then the third one is 
um, lead and support initiatives, whether, you know, as employees, whether within or outside of the organization. I know a lot of um, people within organizations where just on a very social level, they've informally created um, uh, uh, support groups, they've, um, uh, um, you know, um, helped with resources, you know, there's an informal network. Um, and it's, it's very, for me, it's very, um, uh, it's eye-opening almost how, how people have taken this on seriously. And I think, with, especially with, you know, the um, Generation Y and Generation Z who are more comfortable discussing these topics, that they've, there's a lot happening that they've done informally. And once they start doing these things informally, they become formal because they, they capture the, the attention of the organization. Um, so I think those three things, if you can do them, it, it takes you a long way. Great. So we know it's doable. We know it's doable. Jocelyn, your three cents, please. <laughs> uh, yes, I think um, before I just tackle my three sets, or uh, at least one of them is similar to Susanna's, I, I as well very much encourage uh, seeking really qualified, uh, qualified help and someone who's really professional because who can deal with... Uh, with mental health on a deeper level than what we are seeing uh, today. Now, I, I think uh, one important point we need to uh, take into consideration is, yes, absolutely, mental wellness is not a one-size-fits-all uh, formula, uh, whether, it, uh, whether it's to individuals, sorry, or to organizations. So, yeah, we do take the organization's culture and values into um into account uh, besides their KPIs, etc. But I think I need to point one thing from, again, my experience and what I am seeing. Mental wellness is not a one-time event or uh, something that will uh, show results overnight, yet it doesn't have to take years. So luckily, yes, there are solutions that are effective, that are that deliver on results and do not really have to take um, ages but also we need to understand um, in the past uh, world that we're living in that results uh, will not show in overnight and this is something not to be taken on uh, occasionally periodically or uh, as a one-time uh, event so to my points, uh, again, yes, absolutely. I do recommend having uh, qualified people who tackle this issue uh, along with um, senior management so that at least we remove the stigma around uh, tackling mental wellness. There are uh, simple solutions that uh, and practical solutions that employees can adopt because as we've mentioned or talked a lot earlier, uh, some people, uh, yeah, I mean, like I know I should be doing this or I know I should be doing that while they have uh, some, um, some probably deeper issues that they need to deal with so that they can progress and move forward. So we need to be careful with these solutions or uh, that we are offering uh, to the organizations or uh, the, uh, the employees. Uh, my third point, which 
I think is also extremely important, which is mental wellness at the workplace is not luxury. Honestly, I I received some questions. I've I've been also discussing this point with uh, with some uh, organizations. Um, stress and its myriad of things that come with it has a direct uh, effect on productivity, on our engagement. People are not lazy, procrastinating, uh, burnout, uh, uh, creativity, which is very much needed today in our world. So, and the figures are there. It's people, I mean, like I've, I've received questions, can, can organizations afford it? Well, the question now is, can they afford not to have it? Uh, that's a bigger question that we need to tackle because, as you've mentioned, Susanna, uh, there is a lot of research and organizations who have taken the lead, and the figures are there for every one pound spent with Deloitte, for example, they got a return on investment in five pounds. And similarly, World Health Organization has documented figures and and results uh, by supporting, from supporting mental health effort. So I, I think we need to, uh, to ask nowadays, can we afford not having mental health programs at work? And this is very uh, essential to every organization, to the economy as well. Thank you, Jocelyn. Well, I hope the answer is, Yes, it is important that we have it. And no, we should not <laughs> avoid it. And no, it is not a luxury. So um, my my strategies would be, uh, yet again, go, going back to you as an individual and going back to the person. Um, that person is anywhere and everywhere within the organization. That person is a human. Uh, that person is someone who goes home. Uh, that person who is someone who interacts with other people. So um, taking labels away from organization and then suddenly we have to think of a, of a hypothetical uh, personality there. But learn to recognize when you're not feeling like yourself. And um, I know it starts that way. It's like, uh, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not feeling like me. Or learn to understand and to recognize. And that, again, going back to the awareness part, the awareness of when you are not feeling right, you're not feeling like yourself. And that is of the signs of mental wellness, that you are being impacted one way or another, whether that be stress is finally getting to you in, in a physical form, um, or whether your sympathetic nervous system has been fired on for too long, or whether you are falling victim to toxicity within the workplace. These are things that you should be in touch with yourself, feeling not okay, is actually not okay. I know that part of also um, corporate um, common culture right now is everyone needs to be stressed. Um, I know I used to use this phrase more than often, oh, I'm running around like a headless chicken. And it was funny. And it's not. <laughs> it's not funny. It just means that I was overwhelmed all the time that I cannot focus on things that, that serve me. So become an advocate for yourself in terms of recognizing when you're not feeling well 
And when you're not feeling like yourself, whether you're an employee, a business leader, or an owner, a business owner, you're somewhere within an organization that impacts you on a personal level, that impacts other people around you. And that's why it is important. And that also, it's not just impacting people in the workplace, impacts people at home. And you are responsible for who you are and what you can do about it. The second part would be use your voice, speak up. And I think um, just mirroring what the ladies have been saying is, um, start advocating, whether that be on a, on a formal level or informal level, and that becomes formal level, like Nermeen was talking about. It, it is about using your voice to speak up, to do something about it, see what you can do. I'm not saying go on riots within the organization and saying, we're not doing this, you know. Um, but actually, just even organizing, a, let's have coffee together, guys after work or before work, or let's go for a walk, or let's start um, embracing a healthy practice together. Whatever that is, that is using your voice. That is speaking up. You're speaking up for yourself and for others. And well, my my slogan, as you know, is um, empower you, empowers others. Well, that in essence is it. It's using your own voice and those around you get to use and recognize that they have a voice too. Um, last but not least, again, clarity. Clarity on what your business objectives are, what your personal objectives are, what your wellness objectives are, and then going out and seeking that, um, doing, well, doing the actions towards that, towards achieving those objectives, the Kaizen way, as in small incremental steps, the Japanese way, or whether you are um, in, in a position of power where you can take something drastic, um, and do you adjust your mindset accordingly. When, when you know where you're going, when you have that clarity, when you know what how you want to feel then and how you want others to feel, that's when you start taking action towards that. You start having that clarity and your mindset supports you in that sense. That's where we talk about a growth mindset. That's where we talk about the abundance mindset. That's where we talk about positive mindset even. Okay. So um, these would be my strategies and um, kind of now, I think we might have addressed this partially in our conversation or in our discussion in the middle, but now these are the questions that we agreed that this is now what? What about you? What can you do? Whether you're talking on a personal level, organizational level, departmental level, home level even, you have to ask yourself these questions. Where do I want to be? Again, going back to the clarity part. What do I want to achieve and am I at my optimal state? And I think um, Jocelyn and Susanna, from a neuroscience perspective, <laughs> maybe uh, you can quickly define for us what an optimal state is from your perspective and from your study and experience. Would you like to go first, Susanna, or shall I go? Go ahead. Okay, uh, I think from the very basic, uh, basic level, uh, it's, it's important to understand as human beings, as I call ourselves, we're still very primitive in our um, physiology and the needs to be at rest at, at um, the very calm state or for recovery. So really, our, our needs are still very basic in, in that sense. But what I would summarize as an optimal state or being at a state where you can function is, is how much you can adapt to the challenges, how much you are resilient, how much you have that emotional elasticity, 
without affecting the functions of your mind. As we know from neuroscience, it's uh, uh, it's it's not that. I mean, like people with heightened emotions or emotional fluctuations or who cannot even manage emotions cannot make decisions. So this is extremely important not to go into the, uh, again, the stage of where uh, how much our optimal state can affect how much we're engaged at work, how much are we being creative, how much are we are being truly productive and not just like busy. And instead of like uh, promoting this myth, uh, it's a myth, the work-life balance, we find ourselves not needing that slogan again because we are designed to thrive. We are designed to deal with challenges. It's just like, how are we uh, incorporating or what mindset are we operating from that enables us to really thrive in, in the challenges or the world that we are seeing today. Susanna. Thank you for asking this question. This is, <laughs> <laughs> I love this one. Uh, this goes both down to what I, what I do. Um, in, it's very simple from my perspective. The optimal state, we, we have two choices. It's either fear or connection. We can be in those two states, more or less. And when we are in that optimal state, we are in that state of safety. And from that safety comes clarity, from that state of safety comes innovation, uh, love, connection, and all the good stuff. And you know when you are in that state. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And, and then from, from the other side of the, of the coin, which is actually not the other side of the coin, and they're the, same, they're the same side, because yet again, we're individuals and we have many roles. But as a mental wellness chaperone and advocate within the organization, then this is the time that you need to, <clears throat> excuse me, you need to start asking yourself, what purpose do I want the, the wellness activities within the organization to serve? Are my employees at their optimal state? And how is their state impacting my business? And well, Nermeen, from your perspective now, <laughs> optimal state of employees within an organization and how, is, how would that state impact a business from your perspective? So uh, optimal state in, in HR lingo is, is engagement, right? So yeah. when, when people are, uh, you know, very much engaged, um, they, they give a lot more, they're uh, more likely to stay, um, they, they become positive um, members of that community, um, they, they uplift teams, so, you know, endless kind of um, uh, results because of it. Um, I, I think where, uh, again, we go wrong is optimal state for each of us is a little bit different. And what, what triggers that optimal state and what puts us in, in that um, is, is very different. But again, it, it really, really starts with, with me as an individual. Um, and, and knowing what I want and, and, you know, what makes me excited, what makes me, um, uh, you know, excited to get, a, get up uh, every morning and go to work. So I think that's kind of, you know, the, the starting point. And, and once we, we have that, you know, I think there is, a, in, in today's day and age, I think there's an increased stress um, and accountability on managers because they directly interact with, with people at a very human level. And it's, it's, it's become really up to them and, and not everyone is equipped, obviously, and, and they need help and some are more comfortable or less comfortable to ask for it on how to um, 
you know, take care of the people on their teams, how to manage a, a, a situation where they, they are stressed. You know, Zoom fatigue is a real thing and I think everyone experienced it. <laughs> In, 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 in this um, in this COVID uh, nineteen period, you know, I, figuring out how to how to manage that. I think you know, I, I think there's a lot of um, accountability on, on managers to help that. But at, at the core, the starting point is always the individual. Well, ladies, thank you so much. That was um, really amazing, <laughs> and um, I think. From this perspective, yet again, where we are advocating for mental wellness, we're, we're advocating for us as individuals and for those individuals that compromise organizations. And we, I, you, each of us can make a difference. So um, thank you for sharing the stage and for sharing the spotlight and for sharing the, your expertise and your energy and your resources in that sense. So um, I think <laughs> we might um, we might stop here to take a couple of questions or respond to a couple of comments. Um, let's see. Do you do you have any individual questions that came along your way? Because we know how sometimes talking about mental wellness is not even <laughs> welcome. I've I've had people like reaching out to me. Well, not today, but <clears throat> sorry, in the past is like. I can't comment on what you posted, but I'd really like to talk to you about it because there are people from my organization that are on the same group and I don't really want them to know. And I'm like, and that is exactly why we keep talking about judgment-free spaces. We keep talking about safe space. We keep talking about it is okay to not be okay. But as we were saying, I think even when you come to say, oh, I can't come to work today, I'm overwhelmed. And they're like, what's wrong with you? You know, it's kind of man up or woman up or whatever is up and then just come to work. Yeah, I've got to do this. And I think that that is that is a chunk of it as well. You know, if I can add, Hanin, um, you know, I think one of the, you know, we keep looking at what um, makes successful leaders and, and that def definition is uh, um, evolves and reinvents, reinvents itself. And one of the things that I, you know, the a definition that I've seen or a trait that I've seen um, that I think really, really kind of supports this case is having leaders who are comfortable to be vulnerable, right? Yeah. I think once you have um, leaders who are very comfortable to be vulnerable, it sends a very clear message to the rest of the organization you know, we're human, it's okay to be human. We can all have, you know, a, a really bad day and, and sometimes we'll have good days, but you know, there's this very genuine authentic um, um, association with, with vulnerability. And I think the more leaders we see becoming and, and letting themselves be vulnerable in front of others and in front of their employees, their teams, you know, the, the bigger organization, I think the more we see um, people you know, being comfortable to discuss it and, 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 and ask for it and, 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 and deal with it. And I think that's where Brené Brown comes in, huh? That talking about vulnerability and about shaming and stuff, but that is it. I mean, we, we do get shamed. I mean, yes, I'm going to here be feminist in a way. And yes, as women, we get shamed a lot more because I got it directly. It's like, seriously, I'm like, I was in a meeting for three hours. And I'm like, 
I got to go get my son from the nursery. He's like, how can you talk about your son in a business meeting? I'm like, I'm a, I'm a person and I'm a mother and I have a son who's at nursery. I'm not going to leave him in the street. And that does not make me any less professional, but it, it's those kind of things that keep, you know, the shaming and the guilting and those kind of things that kind of really get to your mental wellness. They get to you as in, now I'm not competent enough, or now I get overlooked for a promotion because I can't make it to an evening meeting. I was like, why would you need to have an evening meeting if there we can do it in the morning? And it is, it is those kind of things that really, we have to think of the implications of our words and our approach, whether men or women, and whether we have men or women working with us, it is the same. It is those kind of things that kind of really get to us, get to the core. And we've, if we've already got um, inner child wounds that we're still healing from, that really triggers us. And that is another thing. It is addressing those triggers as well. You know, so like, oh, I'm not worthy. I shouldn't really be taking this position. I was like, no, you're just human. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> just keep going. You're doing great. I have a question for Nermeen. Just okay. popped into my mind. You know, I, I love statistics, but um, I keep seeing, I keep seeing people who complain about their bosses a lot. Like this seems to, this is the number one complaint. My boss is toxic. My to to boss is from hell, and I keep hearing pretty horrendous stories for real like there are some really sick people out there running organizations and departments but what is your take on this one i'm probably a little bit biased like <laughs> are there are, i'm not seeing many healthy leaders if i if i'm talking about individuals so uh, yeah that that's a that's a that's a tough one to i you know i think our experiences are very personal, right? Um, I, I've seen leaders who are very, very, very direct um, and there's no sugarcoating. And some people find that um, very comfortable, comforting and reassuring and it's very transparent while other people feel it's very aggressive and it's very dry and, and you know, and it's, we're talking about the same person. I think always with the starting point when someone's really struggling with a manager is to go have an honest conversation with that manager. That starting point, I'd say, solves 50% of all issues around, mm -hmm. you know, bad managers, just because people are different. And, and some people, uh, managers feel that, you know, one person on the team appreciates a certain style. And so maybe everyone else does, or the assumption is that. So that's, you know, for me, the conversation always starts between that person and, and the manager and, and, and transparently expressing, you know, how they feel and, and how uncomfortable they are and, and with, with very specific examples so that person understands. Now, the, the other side of it where, you know, they're probably right um, is to um, talk to others in the organization. I mean, you know, companies be, for various reasons, whether um, uh, online reviews or um, governance issues or, you know, a, a whole lot of uh, reasons for it, but they're a lot more um, careful around making sure that their managers are good because they lose talent that way. They struggle to hire people. It causes sometimes even, um, you know, compliance or um, lawsuits in, in some extreme cases. So I think companies are a lot more aggressive on managers than they were, I'd say maybe 15, 20 years ago. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the other direction. But the starting point should always be a very honest, open conversation and then see where, where that takes you. 
Thank you. Katie, do we want to take one last question? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jocelyn. Uh, no, I just wanted to uh, also uh, add to Nermin's point about vulnerability. Now, I think although probably today it's a little bit misunderstood and vulnerability probably means to so many people is like showing our weakest side or our darkest side. I, I think uh, what Brené Brown meant by it is mostly about being human and and compassionate and understanding that we are uh, uh, we share the same emotions feeling uh, whatever so we, besides vulnerability I think what's what's what is important in, in um, organization culture especially when we want to tackle or sort out the stigma around mental wellness is transparency and authenticity those together with compassion um, again, as you said it, Hanan, we're human. We're all human, and none of us really carries uh, two brains. So that transparency, authenticity, would ease a little bit um, the stigma around uh, tackling mental wellness because not all employees have the courage to talk to a manager or to another uh, person or whatever. And um, yeah, probably easing down a little bit on leadership trainings. And uh, uh, one of the important points that were, was tackled in the World Economic Forum uh, call was that regard. I mean, like how much com companies were focusing on diversity and inclusion, and this has been the hype again in the past uh, three years. The results, what research has shown is that people are not comfortable. We, we are uh, truly facing issues, be it around what has been focused on in the previous years from work-life balance, time management, leadership uh, seminars in and out, diversity and inclusion. We, we really need to take a, an honest, courageous look at what organizations really need to uplift the business and their people. That's amazing, ladies. Did, did any of you get, we, we got some amazing comments. Thank you for everyone who's watching us live. And thank you for your amazing and insightful comments. And we're we're super happy that you got value from, from our discussion and um, our disruptive conversation. Um, we could have disrupted a lot more, but we tried to restrain ourselves coming the first time live. <laughs> maybe next time we can take it up or not sure too, or maybe we can do that in private sessions. Um, ladies, it's been an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time and for your energy and for your knowledge. And um, for everyone who's watching us, um, Thank you. Ladies, would you like to say, if, as I ask in my podcast, what would be your last statement to, to sum it up? Let's go from the top up. Nermeen, on my screen, you're up there. <laughs> go find out what makes you happy, what makes you excited, what makes you want to get up um, out of bed every morning. That's the sort of place. Nice. Jocelyn, we're going clockwise now. 
that's clockwise. That's yeah, that is clockwise, not counterclockwise. So. <laughs> or actually, that is counterclockwise. Um, I've got a problem I, with I, right and left till now, so I apologize. Anyway, Jocelyn. <laughs> Um, to, to, uh, to everyone, be it uh, on an organizational level or an individual level, uh, prioritize your mental health and uh, wellness. And keep in mind, it always starts in the mind. You can, I, I always uh, joke about it with uh, my friends. You can uh, eat broccoli, stand on your hands and chant mantras all day. But if what is going in the mind is not really right, I, I don't think the overall life will be right. So this is a priority for us now. Perfect. Susanna? Um, mental health is not, pain is not a pathology. So pain is, pain is an indicator that something, you know, it's a message to you. So just become comfortable with listening to those messages and stop feeling safe. And... Yeah. You'll have a completely different life. <laughs> well, I'd like to sum it up with uh, yet again, uh, my, my preaching message, but the message that I know um, has changed my life around. And that is empowered you empowers others. When you take the power in your own hands, when you advocate for yourself, when you stand up for yourself by yourself, not against anyone else, just for you, understanding your limitations, um, pushing your boundaries, going outside comfort zones, and um, understanding what triggers you, healing what needs to heal, you're empowering yourself. And by doing that, by being confident, by being vulnerable, by being authentic, by being um, compassionate, you empower everyone else around you. And I really hope, um, I think I'm, I feel like I'm becoming Gandhi in this sense, but it's like, you know, people <laughs> please be more human and be more humane and in that sense we won't even need to have these conversations anymore but it all boils down to that we're all the same just be you thank you so much for joining us thank you ladies once again and uh we're uh, we're gonna see you next time see you bye Thank you for listening to the Empowered to Grow podcast. Bye. For further engagement with a tribe of empowered women, join my Facebook group, Empowered to Grow, or visit my website, www.hananulbasha.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, know that empowered you empowers others. Love, abundance, and prosperity to you all.